Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 as we take this incredible journey of the Christian life. And we're not teaching Joshua verse by verse. We're pulling gems out of it so that we can learn through the old what the life and the new is all about. Because they had a land, we have a life. And we're going to look and see how they possessed the land. Experience what God had already given to them. Same way we learned to experience the life. They had a land, we have a life. How we experience the life that Jesus has given to us. So I want to subtitle this message this morning and this theme the incredible journey with facing life in God's strength. Facing life in God's strength. We're going to be focusing on verses 6 through 9. There's a song from Joshua 1, 6 through 9, that has blessed me through the years. Every time I have ever heard it, it blesses me. It goes like this. Be strong and take courage. Be strong. You know that song? Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord will go before you, and his light will show the way. Be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the one who lives within you will be strong in you today. Why don't you give him all of your fears? Why don't you give, why, let him wipe away all your tears? He knows. He's been through pain before, and he knows that you, what you've been looking for. Nothing can take you out of his hand. Nothing can face you can't command. I know that you will always be in his love, in his power. You will be free. So, be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed. For the Lord will go before you and his light will show the way. Be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed. For the one who lives within you will be strong in you today. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 2, after God had miraculously delivered Israel through the Red Sea, Moses and all of Israel sung a song back to the Lord that's called the Song of Moses. And the, the verse that captures the whole song is in verse 2 of Exodus 15. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my strength salvation. We're going to see the words today in a phrase. He's going to say, be strong and courageous. We're going to see it come up several times. And just by reading those words, that implies that there's going to be some conflicting trials to come our way. Why would he tell them, be strong and be courageous if they're not going to face life in a, uh, an unannounced way? It's going to, the, the, these trials are going to try to defeat us from experiencing everything that God has for us. Trials will force the crisis of faith. Whether you like it or not, it's going to come our way. It rains on the just, rains on the unjust. And it forces the crisis of faith, of whether or not we truly are going to trust God. Now, the pattern of trusting God has been preset for us. There's a track that we're running on that's already been laid out. We're not, it's not being laid out, it's been laid out, and it's the path of trusting Him. The author of Hebrews tells us that in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, therefore, 
since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And by the way, that does not mean that we're in a big arena and they're sitting all around us and they're doing the wave and they're cheering us on. And every time we mess up, they're going to boo us and we've got cheerleaders out there cheering us on. No. The cloud of witnesses surrounding us basically simply points back to chapter 11 of Hebrews of the great hall of faith and all the ones that have gone on before us. And he says, let us also, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which does so easily entangle us. And the sin that, really, that they were dealing with was the sin of unbelief. And as you'll stu we'll study Hebrews down the way here, and when we get into it, Hebrews is, is, the whole root problem of Hebrews is unbelief. And the root problem of all sin is unbelief. So he goes on and he says, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. And that little word set means it's preset. It's already there. And it's not the trial we go through, it's how we handle the trial. It's by trusting God, believing Him. Faith, forsaking all else, I trust Him. The difference in the new covenant and the old covenant is that we already have the strength of Christ in us, in the person of His Holy Spirit. And He's the one who strengthens us. We don't have to call, down, call it down. It's already there. In Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Where? In the inner man. And in Ephesians 6.10, when He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. We don't have to ask God to give us strength. We have to ask God to teach us how to walk in the strength we already have. It's Christ in us. And the only way to walk is by faith. Well, in order to appropriate the strength that he has for us, we have to admit our own weakness, which is the hardest thing in the world to do. And then we choose to surrender to Christ and to his word in the circumstances that come our way. So, just as with Moses, just as it was with Joshua, when we hear the word, of, word strength, we should never think of physical strength. We should never think of the way the world would look at that. We should think of God's strength and not ours. Now in our text of Joshua chapter 1, the word strong comes up in the phrase, be strong and courageous in verse 6 and in verse 7 and in verse 9. It's a familiar phrase in Joshua's life as it was first spoken to Israel and then to him by Moses when he was commissioned as Israel's next leader before all, for, for all the people. Now, Moses did a beautiful thing as God led him to commission Joshua long before Joshua was their leader. Moses said to Israel in his address to them in Deuteronomy 31, 6, Be strong and courageous. There's where you find the phrase. Do not be afraid or tremble at them for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then he turned to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, 7. This is the same time. He speaks to Israel. Then he turns and speaks to Joshua. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to his fathers to give them, and, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. And then in the final part of the ceremony, Moses speaks to Israel. Moses speaks... To, to Joshua, and then God speaks and commissions Joshua. And in Deuteronomy 31, 23, then he, God, commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, 
for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So this is a phrase that doesn't catch Joshua off guard, but we need to better understand it. When he says strong and courageous, those words are just filled with meaning. The word strong is used almost 300 times in the Old Testament. Once again, the word indicates an inevitable conflict that's ahead of us. We can't get around this. Somebody said one time to me, Wayne, you're either coming out of a, chi- a trial, you're in the midst of one, or you're just uh, about to go into one. I mean, that's the way life is till Jesus comes back. So the word indicates that there is a strength that God will give us, and there is courage that he will give us. We don't rally in here and say, okay, folks, we'll whoop it up, and everybody now, you're going to be strong, we're going to be strong, you're going to be courageous, we're going to be courageous, and then we run out to the trials. That's not the way it works. But when the trial comes unannounced, and they are unannounced, and hits us square in the face, it is then we can experience God's strength, and only then. That's when we experience, when, when we are weakened by the circumstance and we cry out to God, He strengthens us in the midst. The word courage is a similar word, but it's not the same word in the Hebrew. Matter of fact, it's only used 41 times, whereas the other ones were used 300 times. It has more of the meaning of being resolute. Now, here's one word that says be strong, but here's the other word that says be resolute. It, it, it's, it, even some translations say stand firm. Uh, it, that's another way of saying be undistracted in your focus upon God. Each time the phrase be strong and courageous is used, it points to God's character, to his faithfulness, to do what he already said he was going to do. Since verse 1 of Joshua 1, God has been speaking all the way down through. God has told Joshua that no man would be able to stand before him, as we saw last week in verse 5. Now he tells him in verse 6 that the promise to inherit the land is rooted in God himself. So Joshua, if you trust me, if you trust my character, and if you trust what I say, it's going to take place. It says in verse 6, Be strong and courageous. You shall give this people possession of the land. Now watch. Which I swore to their fathers to give to them. There's some beautiful things in here, and I'm leaving a lot out. The word possession is the idea of inheritance. And an inheritance is not something you earn. It's something that's given to you by someone. And so the whole land there was a gift from God. The word inheritance has the idea of separating it amongst the trials. Each one has a portion of what God has given to them. All of God's promises come out of his gracious heart towards us. In verse 7, he intensifies the word courage. And this is so interesting to me. He's, or the, in, the intense focus, he intensifies it. He adds the word very. Now watch carefully. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. He didn't say be very strong. He said be very courageous. And the word courageous has the idea of focus. Be very undistracted in your focus on who God is and what God has said. Once again, we see where the strength comes from. It flows out of the character of a faithful God to do what he said he would do. And if we're going to experience God's strength, we already have it within us in the resonance in the, in the Holy Spirit. God's divine ability to face whatever conflict comes our way 
we're going to have to learn to be intensely focused upon who God is and on what God has said in his word. He adds, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. A beautiful picture is found of this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, where he says, your ears will hear a, a voice, a word behind you. I love that. Your ears will hear. What ears? Your spiritual ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. And it's amazing how God's word directs our path. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Remember that all thy ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. God alone knew what lay ahead of him. God alone knew that. And only God's strength and only God's ability would get them through to help them to experience what God already had for them. But they had his character, God's character, and his word to stand on. If they'd just stay focused on that, if they would just stay focused on the who he is and whose they were and what God had said, they'll make it through. And it would all begin with the flooded river Jordan. Remember, they've not crossed it yet. This is chapter 1. That's over in chapter 3. They hadn't even got to the river yet. That's the first step. A mile wide, when normally it was 110 feet wide, over 2 million people trying to cross a river. That's a mile wide. Well, then he adds, so that you may have success wherever you go. Boy, you go out into the world today and ask them what success means, and they've got a lot of answers, but they're all wrong when it comes to God's economy. The word success is translated 12 different times as understanding and 12 different times as wise in the Old Testament. You see, success in God's economy is not a, a, a three-car garage and a, and a bigger car. It, that's not what success is. Success in God's economy is when man bows before God in the midst of a trial and God gives him the strength to endure it and keeps his focus upon God, but at the same time gives him the wisdom of knowing how to walk through it. Wisdom is what only God can give. It's when he takes his word that is so important to us and makes it practical to our situation and walks us through whatever we have to face. The picture here is like the multicolored trials that James talks about. And every time I mention that, I want to go back and teach the book of James. Because James says that our trials are various trials, multicolored trials. Everything that we go through, however unannounced they come, they're multicolored. But Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that the very grace that we are dependent upon to walk through those trials is also multicolored. But so is the wisdom of God. As Paul says in Ephesians 3.10, that the wisdom of God is also multicolored. In other words, God's already got it worked out. Whatever comes our way, whichever direction it comes from, if we will focus on him, if we'll focus on his word, if we'll trust him and yield to him, we, he gives us the strength to endure and the wisdom to walk through whatever it is we have to face. And then in Joshua 1.9, he ties it all together. The third time he uses that phrase, be strong and courageous. He ties it all together. That God not only promised them that he would do this, God is involved in making sure it takes place. Do you realize one of the words for will, telema, is the word that means God's intention, but also means that God gets involved with it to make sure it takes place? That's exactly the picture. He says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. Now watch. For the Lord your God 
is with you wherever you go. Now, the reason people tremble and the reason they are dismayed many times is because, and they fall apart, which means to fall apart. It's because they hit a, a trial comes in an unwelcome way, and they didn't they didn't know it was coming. And it hits them, and it's because they're not focused on His Word. They're not focused on who whose they are in Christ. They're not focused on Him. And matter of fact, most of the time they're focused on people and what's going on in their life or what their advice is, rather than being focused upon the Lord. And as a result of that, they start trembling. They they are dismayed, and they faint in the midst of a trial. Now, let's look at one this morning, and it's going to be a beautiful picture here. Verse 8 is our, our key verse. That's, that's the one we're zeroing in on. Now, I want you to look at somebody that is experiencing God's strength. And we've talked about how we experience it. We understand that it is God's strength. We want to look at what, what, he, what he's like. What are some of the things in his life that we can check to see whether or not we measure up this morning and measuring up in the right way, whether or not we are really experiencing Christ or if we're not. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, what is it? This is, this is that intensity of focus we're talking about. This is somebody that in the midst of the trial is experiencing God's strength. First of all, you, you note this. His speech is seasoned with God's Word. His speech is seasoned with God's Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, the book of the law to us today would be the the Word of God. We're in the New Covenant. The book of the law, by the way, it didn't say the book of promises. It said the book of the law. God's will. What does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? How does God want me to surrender? But today, it would be those who are, who are focused upon the Word of God. Have you ever noticed how many believers do not season what they say with the Word of God, which reflects not, they're not allowing God's Word to dictate their lives? Now, I'm not talking about you walk around with these and thous. And I've seen some people so squeaky, every time they take a step, they squeak and they walk. And everything's about the Word, the Word, the Word. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you're squeezed in the midst of a trial, what is it that comes out? And if, if the Word of God does not season what you say, it tells everybody about your walk with the Lord. It tells everybody you're not trusting Him in the good times. Why in the world would you trust Him in the bad times? You see, when you're trusting God and you're trusting His Word and the life squeezes you, what's going to come out is seasoned by that which God says, not that which man says. Joshua was the appointed leader of all of Israel. God tells him before he can have any authority whatsoever in front of the people as they face the trials, as they face the seven nations that would try to take them out when they, when they got into Canaan. He says the only way is to season everything he said to the people to make sure it was seasoned with the word of God. Over and over we are reminded we must know the scriptures. We must know the scriptures. And this is, I guess, the dilemma. So many times we fall into the trap of saying, well, I went to church. No, no, it's a difference. We have to get into the word, let the word get into us. We have to know the scriptures to think biblically in order to face life, in order to walk in the strength that God says we already have. 
Listen to what Paul says in Romans 4.3. For what does the Scriptures say? In Galatians 4.30. But what does the Scriptures say? Jesus, in Matthew 21.42, Jesus said to them, Did you ever read the Scriptures? And he's talking to the religious people in Matthew 22.29. But Jesus answered and said to them, You're mistaken. Not understanding the Scriptures. Mark chapter 12, verse 10, Jesus said, Have you not even read this Scripture? And in another place, the devil comes to him and said, The Scriptures say us. He says, Yes, but it also says. He knew the Scriptures. He was the living Word. How in the world are we going to face life if we don't know the Scriptures? If we don't know the Word of God? A person who gets to, walks in the strength that only God can give him, knows God's Word. Psalm 119, 43, gives a picture of somebody who really loves the Word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for thy ordinances. Oh God, don't take the word of truth out of my mouth. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Speech that is seasoned. Of the Word of God. You know, they say that when you have a stroke, that the normal word that a person will say is no. Isn't that interesting? I've known two people that have, have broken that rule. One was Roy Hessian, wrote The Calvary Road, and the other is Haywood Cosby, that said, had a stroke. He's over at Life Care Center in Cottesdale, right? Known him for over 41 years. I was his youth director back in the early 70s. The first words that came out of his mouth were either yes. And then he had another word, wonderful, wonderful. And you know what the first phrase was that came out of his mouth? Wonderful words of life. I'm trying to tell you something. The only way you walk through some of the hard knocks that life is going to bring in it is going to come. It's going to come. I can assure you that today. It's going to come. And when you get in the midst of it, when you're squeezed, if you're going to walk in the strength that God has, you're, you're going to be bowed before him. And you're going to have the word in your mind and the word in your hearts, and it's going to season what you say. Listen to what people say when they're going through hard times. Listen to them carefully, because it will tell you whether or not they're focusing rightly. If they're focusing, be very courageous. Be very focused. Be very undistracted in your focus on who God is and on what God says. Because when the trial comes, that's when you're going to need the strength. And that's when you cry out to him. And when you do, you can walk in the strength that he gives. Now, a person whose speech is seasoned by the word of God is a person who meditates upon God's word. Look how he followed this follow the flow. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The word meditate is the Hebrew word. And it means to mutter, to groan, when you're savoring something. I love this. You know my quirky mind. Stephen's father-in-law, by the way, what is a father-in-law and a father-in-law? Are they outlaws? What is, what is the connection between, ever known that? After you have mother-in-laws, you have father-in-laws. Now, I'm the father-in-law to Ann, and Charlie is the father-in-law to Stephen. But what's me and Charlie? <laughs> there ought to be a word for that. Somebody work up a word for that, would you? But he cooks the best steak I've ever eaten in my entire life by somebody grilling a steak. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm just, listen, if you want a good steak, Charlie Rhodes lives over in Scottsboro, Alabama. 
And you just call him up and say, Wayne suggested we, you, we come to your house and you fix us a steak. I'm telling you, I've never tasted anything any better in my life. You know, you get a big old thick steak. They can't cook it. On the outside, it's burned. and On the inside, it's raw. I mean, you just can't seem to get it right. He gets it right. Oh, he cooked for us one night. We were all over there, both of our families. And I'm telling you, I could take my fork and just go, Whoa. and when you put it in your mouth, you just start muttering. <laughs> you just, just groaning. <laughs> this is the best. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> and people are talking to you saying, mm, yeah. and you're just loving that piece of steak. Now, if you don't understand what that's like, would you take me out and get me a good steak, and I'll let you know what that really sounds like. But that's literally the word. That's literally the meaning of it, to groan, to mutter, to, when you're savoring something. Ask your question. When was the last time you savored the Word of God? You savored it to where, you yes, you got into it, but, oh, you let it get into you as it soaked in you through the day. And when those trials came, the Spirit of God that taught you brings to remembrance the things that He's taught you. And all of a sudden, the Word rises up. And all of a sudden, the strength of God flows in your life. And all of a sudden, you begin to have direction. And all of a sudden, you realize who's in control and not you. And all of a sudden, the peace of God flows your heart. That's what He's trying to tell him. Joshua, you ain't got a clue yet, son. You ain't got a clue. You haven't got to the river yet. And Jericho is next. And there's seven nations that are after you. Now, Jer now, get with the picture, Josh. This is God speaking to him. You meditate in the Word day and night. One Hebrew scholar said it's like an old cow chewing a cud. <laughs> Cow's got a tongue about that long. Wraps itself around that old cud. Have you ever watched one chew it? One of the funniest animals God's ever created. I think, a, well, it's just the funniest animal God ever created. <laughs> Leave it alone. And they chew that old cud, 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 and they chew that old cud. Well, then what do they do? Swallow it. How many stomachs do they have? Four. So what do they do when they get hungry a little while later? <laughs> they chew it some more, chew it some more, chew it some more, chew it some more, swallow it. It's amazing how God can't bring back to us the scriptures that we could stand on that would strengthen us in the power of his spirit because we don't even know what it says to start with. You see what he's trying to tell him? Joshua, this whole thing's based on what I've said, not based on what you think you're doing, not some committee that you've worked with. Joshua, I'm telling you what to do, but now you're going to have to learn what I say and do what I say. Meditate upon my word. Meditation is more than letting God, getting into God's word. So many people love to get into God's word. Meditation is letting the word of God get inside of you. Meditation is the mark of a blessed man, which says in Psalm 1-1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Eight times in Psalm 119, it describes the man who loves God and loves his word. 
the Word of God saturates him. The Word of God is soaked into his life. That doesn't mean he can't talk about anything else. That doesn't mean he doesn't like Tennessee or something, or whatever it is in football. That doesn't mean any of that. We can talk about all that. It's talking about when you, when you soak in the Word of God, it's going to season you so that when you face the trials of life, you're going to have his wisdom, and you're going to turn to him, and you're going to walk in his strength. That's what it's all about. But when we don't do that, when you don't do that, when I don't do that, it's a tragedy. We, we fear and we, we're dismayed and we faint in the midst of a situation. Why is the Word of God so important? Second Timothy says in chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God. It means God breathed. You know, it's, since it's in, out of God's mouth, it ought to be in ours. It's profitable for teaching to, to show us the right track where we're supposed to walk. It's profitable for reproof to show us when we get off track. It's profitable for correction to get us back on track. And it's profitable for training in righteousness to keep us on track. So the man who faces life in God's strength intensely focused on what God says and who God is, experiencing God's presence is the man who seasons what he says with God's Word. Why? Because he meditates on it day and night. It, the Word has gotten into him. Some of the great people God's allowed me to speak with. It's incredible. Dr. Zodiades is one of them. I don't, they called me Wayne the Barbarian after I spoke with him, though. And that was the grace, because <laughs> I can't pronounce the words right. Dr. Stephen Olford. Brother Roy Hessian wrote the Calvary Road, spoke in a conference in Mississippi. So many people. I don't know why in the world. I guess it's kind of like, Somebody choosing me to play golf with because it's making their game look a lot better. But I got to, play, to speak with a lot of good people. But you know who one of them was? It was Dr. John Phillips. If you don't know who Dr. John Phillips is, he wrote the Exploring Commentaries, and Moody uh, talks about those. He's one of the key speakers for Moody. One day we were finished speaking. He spoke and I spoke, and we got in the car. was driving. They took us back to the motel after dinner. Had a young guy in there. He said, Wayne, you've got your doctorate. I said, yeah, but careful. I didn't finish seminary. I said, my doctorates, two of them are honorary. I call them ornery. I don't use that term. Other people do as far as doctorates. But anyway, I told him that. He said, I thought you had to finish seminary to be anything, to be ever usable. And Dr. Phillips so beautifully said, well, I got one better than that. He said, what's that? He said, I never finished college. And that caught me right off. We were riding over, and I said, well, Dr. Phillips, tell me something. You brought all the exploring commentaries, and the wisdom that flows out of those commentaries just blesses my socks off. What is the secret of your study in God's Word? Here's what he said. He said, Wayne, I spend five hours every day meditating on God's Word. Man, I don't know if that convicts you or not, but that convicted me to my socks. Five hours a day. You read to him his commentary sometimes, and you just wonder, where does that kind of wisdom come from? It's not coming from somebody else's book. This is a man that spends five hours a day meditating in God's Word. He's with the Lord now. Went through a horrible time of health problems. I spoke with him right before he went on to be with the Lord, but he couldn't speak. They had to play a tape because he couldn't even get up from his seat. But I tell you what, he walked through it with strength and with wisdom because he was a man that trusted God, trusted his word, 
trusted the character of God. That's, what, that's all God's telling Joshua. Joshua, you're not going to rally with this strength. You don't have a cheerleading and run out. No, it's going to come when you bow before me, understand who I am, believe what I say, and yield your life to me. Then you're going to walk in the strength. You already have it, but you're not going to appropriate it until you trust me. And then thirdly, the result is of a person who seasons what he says with God's word and who meditates upon God's word, the result is he moves deeper and deeper and deeper into what God has already given to him. Watch this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, when you, when you read those words in American terminology, they're not, they're not the same. The word prosperous is the Hebrew word that can mean to advance. It means to progress into something. In other words, you're starting into the land. And the more you trust me and the more you, you meditate in my word and the more you're careful to do according to what my word has to say, the further and further you're going to walk into that which you already have. You make progress. We would call it Christian growth, maturity in the new, in the new covenant. When a believer is hit with an unannounced trial and turns immediately to God for his strength, it's obvious from what he says and it's obvious that he's meditating in God's Word. He's not caught off guard completely by the trial. He knows it's coming. He just doesn't know when. But rather moves deeper and deeper and deeper into what he already has. And when you watch somebody walk through a trial that human reasoning says he'll never be able to handle that. And the truth is he can't. But only in Christ he can. And when you see that, you begin to understand what's going on in his life. He does love God. He does love His Word. He does soak into it. He does seek to keep His focus upon who God is and what God said. He handles life from God's point of view, not from man's point of view. Listen to the words of Paul in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Same thing. With all wisdom, teaching, and and, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with joy and thankfulness in your hearts to God. I think about the song of Moses. I think about the songs that we sung this morning. We can truly sing those songs and, and encourage one another when we've walked in the victory God says is already ours. And then in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And the word dwell there is the word enokeo. It, it's the word that means... To let the Word of God richly inhabit your life, completely inhabit everything, your thinking, your choices, every, your reasoning, and everything that you do. And the word richly is plusios, which means abundantly, fully, largely. It's the same thing as being filled with the Spirit of God over in Ephesians. You put those two passages together, they're almost exactly right. If I'm going to be filled with the Spirit of God, then the Word of God has to richly dwell within my life. And the two things are just synonymous as they work together. It's also a command which is in the present tense. <laughs> Paul doesn't say it's an option. It's a command at all times. The preventive maintenance. You know, they, isn't it interesting that insurance companies don't pay for things that prevent things. They only pay after it's already happened. That's kind of weird. But preventive maintenance in our life for the trials that are coming our way it, to keep us from fearing and trembling in the midst of it is to allow God's Word to dominate our thinking, to dominate our reasoning before we ever get into the trial. And then when the trial comes, 
We keep our focus intensely upon Him, intensely upon the Word of God. Eddie shared something this past week that I didn't know about the experience that he and Michelle went through years ago. Many of you remember. Remember How many of you remember when Eddie and Michelle went through that horrible cancer experience that she had? I remember the night <laughs> that 32 tumors disappeared in her body. I remember that. And that was like about in 1992, somewhere like that. But Eddie said it would get so bad and so gloomy that he would have to sit in the room and he would just start reading God's Word, sometimes for over an hour to Michelle. And the two of them focusing just on God's Word. And lo and behold, God would bring them right back into sync with who He is and what He has said and how they could endure and how they could walk through that. Remember remember when Michelle came back to church? Y'all remember that? Do you remember her faith verses were holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and he is to come? And she kept saying it over and over again. Remember that morning? We all got down on our knees. Gosh, I'll never forget it. And we just all together, about 1,500 of us, said, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And we said it over and over again, and the Spirit of God overwhelmed that place like nothing else. You know, you, you know people, don't you? when they walk through difficult times. Bitterness, all this kind of contemptible attitudes towards people, and that's not of God. That's not of God. All that does is speaks of a person whose mind is not saturated, saturated with God, saturated with His Word. All the other garbage comes out when He's squeezed. If He's really not walking like God wants Him to walk. If He's not trusting God in the midst of His trial. And you say, well, Wayne, What does that say to me today? Because I don't think I've been doing that and you just nailed me. Well, best place to start is right here. What are you going through? God knows that. Man, you just rush to him and say, Lord, I've been everywhere else, but I haven't been to you. And Lord, I'm just going to lay this thing at your feet. I'm just going to lay this thing at your feet. And Lord, help me. Help me. Create within me that heart you're looking for. God, you do it. Lord, teach me to walk in your word. And watch the adventure change. Watch your whole mindset change. Watch your heart go at rest. It's incredible. And that's part of the incredible journey that God's put us on. We get to experience what we already have, but we're not going to get it until we start living life trusting God because that's, that's part of it. That's what it is, saying yes to Him. Well, I don't know what God has said to you. I just know where we are. We've been praying for quite a while now that God would sell our house, and we finally got to the point we just laid it down. It's all right, Lord. It's okay. And I just wanted you to know we, we sold it this past week. And uh, I can truthfully say it's a joyful thing, but yet the, we've, we've had quite a wonderful experience where we've been. And we will always thank God for these days. I don't know when all this is going to take place. I'd probably be in the summer someplace like that before we ever get another house back. It's just been a sweet time of saying, you know, Lord, thank you. Thank you for a church that cared for us enough to provide a place for. Thank you, Lord. You know, we've we've got so many things to be thankful for. It's just part of the journey. It's just part of the journey. I just, the thing I want more than anything else is to finish well. I told some of the guys on the staff, if you see me not finishing well, just take me out in the field and shoot me because I I don't want to not finish well. I don't want to, but buddy, I'm my biggest problem. I'm my biggest problem. You ever pray for me? You pray that Wayne will get out of Wayne's way. Because every morning I look in the mirror and I see what I'm going to face all day long. If Joshua had mirrors, I don't know what they had. 
I guarantee you when he looked in the mirror, he'd see the same problem. Because we haven't gotten into the victories and the battles yet. We haven't gotten to Ai. We haven't gotten to the Gibeonites. When he does some of the stupidest things that relate to every one of us. It's an incredible journey, but buddy, does it ever have its earmarks as we walk through? So this morning, what I want you to do, stand with me. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes, draw a circle around yourself. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Carrie's going to sing. I want you to listen to the song and listen to what God is saying to you. And while he's singing, while he's singing, you respond. If you need to come to the altar and say, oh, God, I haven't been trusting you. Oh, God, I realize for now where my problem is. Maybe you can come. Listen, his grace is abundant. His mercies are fresh. You can start today. could be the first day of the rest of your Christian life. Or maybe you're here today and you don't even know how to get in the journey because you don't know Christ. Or maybe you're here today and, I don't know, you'd like to join our church. Larry's over here to my right. Whatever God's putting on your heart, you just let God speak to you. For additional resources or to view our TV program, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.